Fresh Pickings is a podcast by Heritage Radio Network, presented by Bob's Red Mill. Love learning about food? Get more superfood for your brain with the featured podcast miniseries, Fresh Pickings. Go to bobsredmill.com slash freshpickings. Today on Fresh Pickings, we're taking a look at a trend that's old as time, paleo. The Paleolithic diet is a nutritional program based on foods available to humans living in that era. The idea was introduced in 1975 and was popularized by Lauren Cordain in his 2002 book, The Paleo Diet. In 2012, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics described paleo as one of the latest trends in diets, and in 2013, it was Google's most searched weight loss method. On this episode, we'll talk to Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears, about the paleo diet, paleo foods, and paleo flowers. Then, Krista Margies, a baker from Charlotte, North Carolina, will share a paleo flower recipe with us. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. Welcome to Fresh Pickings. Humans have been on Earth for some 2 million years. For 99% of this period, they have lived as hunter-gatherers. Of the estimated 80 billion people who have ever lived on Earth, more than 90% have foraged for all of their food. Only in the last 11,000 years or so have humans begun to domesticate plants and animals. And now, gathering or foraging is totally cool again. Have you ever gone foraging, Kat? This is Kathy Irway, host of Eat Your Words. She also runs a blog called Not Eating Out in New York. I have, actually. I went morel foraging in Georgia a couple years ago, but I don't think I'm as experienced as you. Oh, well, I love to forage. I mean, I just picked some spring onions the other day in the park. I've been on a few tours around the city, and uh, I just love to create recipes from whatever I find. You go foraging in New York City? Yeah, there's some like great foraging tours. Wildman Steve Brill hosts some. But, you know, you can go find a lot of things. So which park do you go foraging in? Well, I live right by Prospect Park, which is like a goldmine for foraging. And the woods are actually pretty well protected. And you can really forget that you're in Brooklyn sometimes. Hey, Kat, what do you think of when I say paleo? I'm talking with Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears here on Heritage Radio Network. Harry is also the co-owner of the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store in Williamsburg. Well, when I hear the word paleo, I think about cavemen. Yeah, you're not far off. I mean, I was talking more about the paleo diet, which, you know, it's an approach that is the idea that humans evolved to eat certain foods. And when we transitioned from hunter-gatherers into sort of a settled, more agricultural lifestyle, that our foods became overly processed. And the paleo diet avoids those processed foods. So what foods are we talking about that are in the paleo diet? There's a lot of variability uh, in the way that the diet is interpreted, but typically when people talk about the paleo diet, it includes vegetables, fruits, nuts, roots, meat, as well as organ meats, uh, really using all of the animal. And it usually excludes things that humans came to consume later, like coffee, alcohol, processed oils, salt, sugar, dairy, legumes, and sadly, grains. 
Okay, grains. So does that mean that on the paleo diet you can't have flour? That's correct. You can't have flour that comes from grains like wheat. But thankfully, it's really easy now to make baked goods with flour alternatives. There's been a lot of flour alternatives that have been developed. And if you're following the paleo diet, you can use substitutes, nut flours, root starches that are being blended to create things like paleo pizza, pancakes, cookies, and more. Okay, that sounds a whole lot better. I think I could follow a diet if I could still have pizza and cookies. They're some of my favorite foods. But how do you know so much about the paleo diet anyway? I don't follow the diet myself, but I've spent some time sort of learning about it. I've had some great guests on Feast Your Ears to talk about it. And last year, in episode 19, I interviewed Samir Patel, who's a science journalist, photographer, and editor based here in Brooklyn. He's the deputy editor at Archaeology Magazine, and he had a lot to say about how early humans ate and how that relates to the paleo diet. So, Harry, why do people choose to eat paleo now? Well, the paleo diet follows similar foods to those eaten by our earliest ancestors. And if you think about the entirety of human history, the modern age is actually very small and humans evolved for a very long time before we became settled, you know, and started farming. So the idea is that if you follow those nutritional guidelines, you're putting your diet more in line with the evolutionary pressures that shaped our genetics and that makes our bodies happy. It definitely does sound like a very healthy way to eat. So do you sell paleo-friendly products at the Brooklyn Kitchen? Absolutely, we sure do. There's no doubt that fruit and veggies and lean proteins are great for your body, and we promote cooking with real ingredients. The available scientific data about it shows that eating this way can lead to improvements in body composition, metabolic effects, compared to a typical modern Western diet, which tends to include a lot of processed foods. If you cut out all that junk and focus on fresh, real food, it can certainly help your body. Are there any downfalls to the paleo diet besides not having coffee and beer, which are two big ones? <laughs> well, I don't think I could follow it because I definitely need coffee. Beer, I suppose I could live without, but probably not coffee. Um, one of the main things is it can be tough to get adequate calcium intake on the paleo diet. So you have to sort of be careful for that. Humans have adapted nutritionally over time, and we do need to remember that our digestive abilities are not exactly the same as those of Paleolithic humans. We've changed along with our diet in the modern world. Some critics take issue with the whole premise of the diet, but there are a lot of proponents of it. I think if I was transported back to Paleolithic times, the food I would miss the most would be chocolate cake. I love chocolate cake. But luckily, if I decided to go paleo, Bob's Red Mill's paleo baking flour would allow me to still eat all the cake I wanted with no worries. I mean, as long as we're not also counting calories. So to find the perfect paleo chocolate cake recipe, I enlisted Krista Margies from Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, Krista, tell me a little bit about how you got into baking. I've been baking pretty much all of my life, but I went to school almost 10 years ago specifically for baking and pastry and just went out into the world with it. And I worked in several restaurants, and now I am teaching others at the Art Institute of Charlotte. Great. And before that, you worked at a donut shop. Can you tell us a little bit about I that? I did. It's a gourmet donut shop in Charlotte. Everything is made from scratch, and everything is locally sourced and totally fresh. So, of course, naturally, we would, you know, we listen to the customers. 
And we had a few gluten-free customers, so we developed a recipe, a gluten-free recipe specifically for them. And what was that recipe? It was using Bob's one-to-one, which is a series of uh, starch flours, plus the addition of xanthan gum, because, you know, when you don't use wheat, you don't have that gluten production, so you need something to bind it with. So Bob's Red Mill had that already completely made for you. This is Kat jumping in. I just wanted to mention that Bob's one-to-one flour is not the same as their paleo baking flour, which we will get to shortly. So it was, it was Bob, that, and, you know, everything else, the eggs and the fat and the spice. <laughs> awesome. So you um, worked on a recipe for this episode, and you picked up some paleo flour to work with. Can you tell me a little bit about using that? Yes, definitely. With baking, it's really easy to just subtract gluten out of baking just by incorporating air using your eggs. When you whip eggs for five, ten minutes, it doubles and triples in size. So you have that frothy rise. So when you add something that doesn't have gluten to it, it doesn't really matter because you've already got it puffed up. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the recipe that you're including in this episode. It's a very simple recipe. It's called chocolate fondant. It's essentially chocolate lava cake. Really what it is is eggs whipped to that double frothy goodness and melted chocolate, a little bit of coconut oil for that fat texture, and the paleo baking flour. Perfect. So for anyone else who's trying to kind of experiment with recipes using paleo flour as a replacement for traditional flour, do you have any other tips other than, you know, making sure you're whipping the eggs more? You can do it also with egg whites. Obviously, you create a meringue, you get that rise. Um, But really, baking powder, baking soda. Great. Thanks to Krista for sharing her tips for using paleo baking flour. You can find her recipe at bobsredmill.com slash fresh pickings. Well, that's our show. Be sure to check out bobsredmill.com slash fresh pickings for more of our favorite ingredients, delicious recipes, and great coupon offers. Join us next week for more fresh pickings brought to you by Bob's Red Mill. Bob's Red Mill is a believer in good food for all. I'm Kat Johnson. Thanks for joining us.